0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Jesus Christ radically transformed my life, radically. And, And he is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. And I count it a great privilege to be here tonight and all week with you to share him with you and point you Christ. This is my crew uh, right there, as I said. Now, 15 months ago, my crew changed because we got a little fella, a little fella who the government says needs a place of refuge because his current situation is awful. It's really bad. He was three years old when he came to us in a neighboring county. You see, my family and I are foster parents which means we have set ourselves up to be a refuge for somebody who is in need or finds himself in a bad situation. This is our second placement, as we would say it. At three years of age, his prostitute-addicted, drug-addicted mother passes out from five or six hardcore substances on the floor. He runs out of the house in his diapers and is in the street. Neighbors called the cops, he gets picked up and through a series of events and circumstances, he ends up at my house, literally dropped off with some toys. This is what and I'm like, does he have any allergies? We don't know. Does he have any? What, what does he eat? We don't know. What we, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And they're staring at me and they were gone within about 20 minutes. They dropped this three-year-old off in my house. How long is he going to be? We don't know. What, what am I? We don't know. Nothing. So my family goes into gear to love and serve and care for this little fellow. Of course, he's had a birthday. It's been, a, it's been over a year now, and he has been in our home. That might be some of your situations. Maybe you were like him, and you've been with a family for some time. Maybe you've been adopted. I would adopt this child if he is adoptable. Right now, he's not adoptable. He is potentially going to somebody in the family um, soon, possibly. But today, everybody know what today is? Father's Day. How many of you told your your father, happy Father's Day? All right, there we go. That's what I'm talking about, all right? Show some love, all right? Uh, He comes to me this morning. uh, My my third uh, middle child, Cherith, um, said happy birthday, and uh, he's potty trained, praise Jesus, right? He's potty trained, so he's sitting on a toilet, and he goes, oh, happy birthday. I mean, and I'm, like, and I'm like, happy birthday? He goes, oh, no, happy Father's Day. I'm like, right, it's Father's Day. And He said, happy Father's Day. He called me dad at 3.45 a.m. the first night he came to my house. You see, his dad, his real dad, just visited a prostitute and left. Had no clue that he was even alive. And then, of course, the government does what the government does, and they subpoena him, which means you don't have an option. you got to show up to get DNA tested to find out if he is, because the mother gave one of several potential fathers. Found a match. He gets subpoenaed to court, says, I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want to know anything about him. What paper do I sign to say that I'm not his? I don't want him. That's the only father that he knows until he came to my house, and he calls me, dad so it's father's day his little preschool that he goes to they're you know making all these gifts and stuff for the uh for fathers so he made this for me hooked on daddy and he's like i said i said is that your hand he goes hmm. i'm like that's your hand did you i'm like you certainly didn't draw all of that and he goes i don't know where the rest of that came from <laughs> I'm like, tell your preschool teachers how much I appreciate that. Hooked on Daddy, you see, just a couple months ago. Uh, no, it was last month. We were in Asheville as a family, and I taught him to fish for the first time. He learned how to cast. That was which was really all we were trying to do. I wasn't trying to catch anything. I'm just trying to get his joker to learn how to cast. You know what I'm saying? I'm a country bumpkin. Y'all enjoy the cornbread tonight? Dude. Dude. That cornbread was... Yeah, I don't really know what you said, but I'm sure that was, you know. All I know is when I eat cornbread and I don't have to swallow a gallon of any kind of liquid to get it to go down, it's a good, that was amazing. You know what I'm saying? My toe, yes, right. I'm so country, I smell like cornbread. You know what I'm saying? That was some good, good cornbread. All right, now, on the back side, on the back side of this canvas that his, his, uh, his preschool teachers did for me, on the top of this is a drawing and it says, my dad. His name is John G, right? That is my name, J-O-N-G-E. I used to think it meant like Chinese ancient warrior. I'll snap your head like Jason Bourne if you mess with me. That's not what it means, all right? I had a Korean pastor, friend of mine, who worked in the same church that we were in. And one day we're in the hallway, and, and this is what he said to me. He goes, hey, John G, you know what your name mean in Korea? I said, "I know. I don't know what it and probably means like samurai warrior. If you make fun of me, I'm going stab you with it. He goes, no, your name means delicate red pickle in Korea. <laughs> oh, OK, great. Thank you, Pastor Kim. You can go on your way now. Uh, but that is my name. I have no idea. My mom just made that mess up. All right, J-O-N-G-E. It's not John G. Don't put a hyphen in it. It doesn't, it doesn't belong. All right, your name isn't Larry or you know Matthew. All right, that's not your name. It's John G. Right, it's like bungee John G. You just slam that mess together, and it just rolls. That's my name, okay? Now, uh, his, he has blue eyes. Really? <laughs> he, I, I do not have blue eyes. My wife has blue eyes. I have hazel eyes. But I love what the next part, right? That's kind of, uh, and no hair. Does he have any hair? No, he has no hair. He rubs the top of my head all the time. He's like, no hair for you. Where your hair at? He's got like a fro, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, can I just have a couple of that curls, you know? But he always rubs my head. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm not Buddha, bro. Stop rubbing my head. He's like, you. why you no hair? Why you no hair? He can't figure it out. I love my dad because he works so hard on mommy's car. I do, I do nothing with her car. I don't know what he's talking about. My dad always tells me to dance. That's Ace, right? Ace is the one that gets him dancing all the time. My favorite thing to do with my dad is ride bikes. He's like, we ride bikes, I ride bikes. You ride bikes with me. I want you to go with me and ride bikes. You know how you learn how to ride bikes? By the way, do you know this? If you say training wheels, all right, that's that's bogus. Okay, that's not right. Because then you, get, then you get used to the training wheels and you never learn how to balance. So then when they take the training wheels off, you smash your face on the pavement. That's a bad plan, okay? So here's what I do. I did this with all of my kids. I took the pedals off. Nowadays, they've got it figured out and they've engineered it. It's called a Strider bike, but go back. 21 years ago to my firstborn Tabor, I took the pedals off. And he's like, Why'd you do that? I'm like, because you're gonna learn how to balance first. Okay. And, and you get movement and then you learn how to balance. Then we have the pedals and you're off, bro, bro. This is how we do it. We don't do training wheels. None of my kids did training wheels. That's that's no, we don't do that. All right. You take the pedals off. So he's on a bike right now, and guess what? There's no pedals. But homeboy knows how to balance on a bike. Now, he's, he, he's eaten some pavement a few times, all right? I got some stories there. We'll save those maybe for later. But this is this is my, my crew, all right? This is my, my boy. Now, four weeks ago, his mom, 29 years of age, just gave birth to her sixth child. The baby was about one hour born in the hospital, and the doctors and nurses who knew nothing of her history said, This woman will probably kill this child. They called Child Protective Services. The police came, removed the baby from her, got the baby to a safe place. Are there any other siblings? Yes, we know where the one is. Guess whose phone got rang? Mine. So by the end of that night, we had a newborn baby girl in our house. His sister. So... If I, if I stumble over some words, if I get all tongue-tied and twisted up, it's because I'm very sleep-deprived, all right? We have a newborn right beside my bed, and I haven't been in that situation for a long time. But today, today has a different meaning for me, obviously because I have four children, four teenagers, two in college, two still in high school. But I also have two others who, one, looks to me and calls me daddy but I'm really not his father. I have no biological relationship to him whatsoever. And in fact, he's more than likely gonna be removed from my home. But for the last 15 months, I've been the only daddy he's ever known. We talk about kingdom tapestry. I want you all to understand something about kingdom tapestry that you have a heavenly father. You may know him, you may not know him. You may know about him, you may know really about him. You may have a personal relationship with him. And if you were to fill something like this out, it might you might have a personal experience with your heavenly father. There may be nothing. I don't know where you are tonight, but I want you to know that God created all of you. And he not only that, he created you in his image. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 10 says this. It's going to be on the screen for those of you that didn't bring a Bible. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, what does that say? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his tapestry. We're his workmanship. Every single one of you is unique. You are very, very different. Look it up right here. You don't got to go Google this mess. It's right there. There's not a single thumbprint that is alike on the planet. How did God in his kingdom tapestry, when when he knit you together in your mother's womb, he created you unique and very, very different, all for a specific purpose. He created you. You are his workmanship. That means that he's God and we're not. He can choose to do whatever he wants. There's a psalm that says God sits on his throne and he does what he pleases. He is holy and righteous and so not like us. Look to your neighbor, I don't care which side, and say, God don't make junk. God don't make junk. He don't make any junk. Okay, that's enough. You're good. God doesn't mess up. You are his masterpiece. You got to go back to the beginning also, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. You might know what this one says. And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let, what does that word say? Us. Let us. This is the first indication that the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three intricate, detailed, unique beings into one God. It's called the Triune God. If I say Trinity, there it is, right there. Let us make man in our—it's plural—image after our likeness. Did you know that you were in the likeness of Almighty God? That's a big, big deal. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds in the heavens, and over their livestock, and over the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, this is massive. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Who chose male? God did. Who chose female? God did. You don't get to choose. This is not my book. Everybody say God wrote a book. God wrote a book right here. Here it is, and yet I know. I know. Listen, I love teenagers. There's something about you and the drama and the life circumstances and everything that's going on in your world. When somebody breaks up with you, and somebody sends a text, and you get all jacked up and you just all messed up. I don't know why, but there's something about your world that I just. I'm just digging that chili. I love it, and I love getting into spaces like this. I love hearing your stories. I love getting around you. and and hearing what's happening inside your world and in your life. I absolutely, when I get on a high school campus, if I get to talk to a sports team or come to camps or things like this, I don't know what it is. I just, I just love the stage of life that you're in. And we are in some very difficult days. And at the end of the day, what I hope that you walk away this week from with our time together is man, that is an amazing, amazing book. Cover to cover, everything within it is 100% accurate. God wrote a book and he made them male and female. God's design. Romans chapter one, verse 20 says this, where shall we go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Look at verse 9 and 10. If I take to the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Two verses of scripture, Psalms 139, verses 9 and 10, if I take to the wings of the morning, how many of you have ever flown commercially in like a Delta or American Airlines or USA or something like that? If you flow in one of them, flew in one of them for any length of time, more than likely, you got up to about 30,000 feet. That's pretty high. Sometimes you can pull it up on the monitor and it'll show you where you are. Well, I, it can't be high enough for me or go fast enough for me. I am an adrenaline junkie, all right? I absolutely love heights, and I love speed, all right? Um, So my family, specifically my wife, for one of my birthdays, gave me the opportunity to go skydiving. This is a picture of me right before I'm getting on the plane. Yes, sir. I was totally jazzed about going up in a perfectly good airplane and jumping out of it, all right? And so here we go. Next slide. I actually jumped out. Right, me and Mario, the first time you jump out, you have to go tandem. Mario is connected to my back. And right before we get ready to jump out of the plane, he whispers in my ear, remember, keep your head back and arch your back. He's like, don't slump over, don't pass out. And he, and he, and he tapped me again and he goes, remember, you can breathe. You can breathe because there's something that happens when the green light comes on and they pull back the door and you look out and you can kind of see the, 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 like the slight curvature of the earth. You're like, okay, this is nuts. What are we doing? But yet I was just like, let's go. You know, I'm screaming. You can't hear anything, you know? And, And when you jump out, guess what I did? Like I freaked out. All right. It's like, oh my word. You jump out. You're just like, what is happening? It was amazing experience. We jumped out at 14,000 feet. 14,000 feet, which is not really that high. Uh, in 2013, I, I summited Mount Rainier in Seattle, Washington. That's 14,411 feet. It blew my mind to think that I, was, I had hiked to a taller place than I had jumped out of an airplane before. If I take, listen, did you hear what the scripture says? If I take to the wings of the morning, there's going to be a place and time in your life where you feel like you are just soaring. This is unbelievable. I mean, you're flying at 120 miles an hour towards the earth. And that might not sound all that exhilarating. It's very exhilarating. All right. It's coming fast at you. And you're seeing things. It's an amazing, amazing experience. You know, your cheeks are flopping, you know, and you're just like, what? And it's like joy, exuberant joy. Roller coaster experience, that times a hundred. If I take to the wings of the morning, or what's the next part say? And dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. I remember one time after that. Looking at this passage of scripture, going the uttermost parts of the sea, where's that? What is that? Uttermost parts of the sea. Uttermost. That sounds dark. Anybody know where the deepest, darkest part? Yep, you've already said it. The Mariana Trench. The Mariana Trench. And the Mariana Trench, there's, there's, it, it's, it's very long, like 124 miles, I think, long. It's, it's really, really, really long. It's really wide. And yet it's this deep cavern that goes deep into the earth's crust, like down in there, like crazy. And you know the deepest part of the Mariana Trench? You know what that one specific point is called? The Challenger Deep. The Challenger Deep is specifically 36,070 feet deep. Again, on your commercial airliner, you're at 30,000. You're not, even, you're not even at the depth. So to put it in perspective, if you take Mount Everest, which is the tallest mountain in the world, at 29,029 feet, cut it off at its base, grab it, tip it upside down, and dip it into the ocean, when you get to the top of the water, you still have a mile to go before Mount Everest would touch the uttermost depth of the earth. That's deep. That's dark. That's like, you know, you can't see anything in this. That's dark, dark. I wonder sometimes when I'm staring at the four-year-old, what darkness he has seen. Sometimes when, when he's sitting at breakfast and he's, he's chugging his chocolate milk and he's, he's putting down some, some banana halves that I've sliced for him and he's waiting on his honeycombs Because He's got to eat the bananas first. And sometimes he's just sitting there and and he's staring at me. Sometimes I look into his four-year-old eyes and I wonder, what has his life experienced? What darkness? What was it like for him when mom was so passed out that he couldn't wake her up? And in his scared state as a three-year-old, he ran out into the street. What kind of darkness was he experiencing? What this teaches me, students, about God is that whether I'm at the highest, like the most jubilant, man, life is just awesome. It can't get any better place or the darkest, dark of pain. And I can't see tomorrow. I can't see in front of me. I don't know what's going to happen the next second. I don't know anything about this. This is all confusing. I'm scared to death. I don't know what's going to happen. That even in either one of those two places, The Bible says that even there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. What I want to say to you tonight on opening night of camp is that whatever it is for you, whether you are here or in the darkest depths or somewhere in between, the Almighty who knit you together, who created you. You are his masterpiece. You are his workmanship. And he is perfecting you. He loves you exactly the way you are, exactly the way you are. But he loves you so much, he refuses to leave you that way, students. I wanna say to you that this place is a safe place. These counselors are safe people. 70 years. This place has a long history and tradition of loving on teenagers, no matter where they are, just like you. I believe that God brought you here by design, that in his kingdom tapestry, he wants to weave something into your soul this week. You're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to have mountaintop, like skydiving experiences this week, crazy stuff, fun stuff you're gonna have some moments where the Holy Spirit of God who loves you is gonna maybe invite you to unpack something that's dark, something that's, that's very painful because he wants to massage his goodness. He wants to massage his truth into something that punk Satan has lied to you about. My question for you tonight is, will you be willing to come before him and give it to him and trust your creator with whatever it is that has happened or is happening in your life. He loves you, students. We're gonna be on an awesome, awesome journey this week. My prayer for you is that your heart will be open to say yes to whatever it is that the Almighty wants to do in your life. Let me pray for you tonight. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for just a couple verses of scripture, some moments of truth, We see your love letter to us, reminded tonight, Lord, that you are God, we're not, that you are the the ultimate craftsman. You created us in your image, male and female. We've been created by you and the world is so, God, it's so confusing. So Lord, would you speak loud and bold to our hearts this week? Thank you for each of these counselors who've given of their summer to come serve to guide in truth. Give them wisdom. Holy Spirit, have your way as we say yes to you this first night. God, I pray for each of us, Lord, that we would be open to bring to you our loving creator. What concerns us, what what fears we have, what doubts we have. God, would we just allow you to be you this week in Jesus' name. Amen.